Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greetings and welcome to the bonus TWBD episode for the month of March 2021. Uh, we're glad to be here and thank you all for uh, listening and also mainly being our supporters. We're really gl- grateful for that and we hope that the questions to your answers, uh, no, our answers to your questions <laughs> are good and meaningful. Uh, let's waste no time in getting to them. Kristen's been compiling them uh, since last time. So let's throw it to her, Kristen. What's our first question? First question. I can't remember. Okay. It begins with, I can't remember, but when not in COVID, do you all go to any cons? Oh, man. Like we do, we, I mean, we, we used to go to BlizzCon back when that mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Uh, 2020 was supposed to be the return of Nerdtacular. It was supposed to be a Vegas trip with a bunch of fans. And then regular cons were supposed to be Gen Con for me and BlizzCon for me. 2020 was supposed to be packed and it didn't happen, which really sucks. But normally, yeah, we like that stuff. Um, and I really like going to BlizzCon because that's where we get to all see each other. Usually that's generally our kind of yeah. meetup yeah, place. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Nerdtacular may have done that as well. But, um, you know, I'm hoping that on the other end of this and enough vac- vaccines are out there and enough people are sort of, you know, we're, we're clear on the science of it all and everybody knows what the crap's going on that we can start to plan this stuff again because that'd be great. But I have to guess, like BlizzCon, I don't think they're doing one this year because they did their digital thing. So I I can't imagine they're doing we're planning another one like none of the other gaming conferences are even the ones toward the end of the year. Cause they just want to be sure. And like 2022 looks like the year that they really go back at it, but who knows that could change. Yeah. So we'll see either way. Yeah. We do conventions. Indeed. If the real world was turned into D and D, what would you yourselves become as a class and race? I I kind of think there's two things. There's like there's what do you want, and then there's yes. what would be the reality. Yeah. You know? Like what what's your ideal, and where would you end up landing? Because I feel like if it was just you know you just took me and I got hit by a fantasy ray and I just became what I am, it would probably be like a dwarf rogue or dwarf bard. Yeah. Or a multi class between the two. And that's just where I would I would wind up. That's honestly, it's probably roughly where I would put myself. I don't think I'd be a dwarf, but I just have the build for it. So and the demeanor of just kind of a surly. <laughs> that's a very important. Dog, dog, yeah. I don't want to go outside. Don't show me the sun. I'm happy where I am. I just I know that's where where I would wind up. Yeah, for me, hmm. I don't know why, but just the phrase uh battle mage sounds like fun <laughs> like if there was ever a thing that let me be like i want to be an icy bastard who can just rain down all the great all the greatest ice spells in the world and have it really be focused on that but also be able to go hand to hand so 
it's me making that up in my head for D&D anyway, but I would like something like that if I could. If you're just saying, you know, the world's your oyster, pick one. That's I'd pick that. I can see... Uh, I'd love to be a wizard or an artificer, but I'm also horribly dyslexic. And, like, learning spells, it just... I'd open all the wrong portals, and I'd release <laughs> all the wrong monsters. Yeah. So probably safer for me to go, like, Goliath fighter. Because, you know, I think I could do the shield thing. I'm okay with a bow and arrow. I've done that before. I've been to camp. Yeah. I think I pull pull that off. Yeah. But I'd love to Yeah, but if the, if the magic calls to you, maybe you have it innately. Maybe yeah. you're a sorcerer. That's, That's a good point. That's true. That feels like asking too much. Like, you know, I'm just assuming I'm great. Like, oh, you know, in another world, I'd be so good. It'd be awesome. It'd be special. <laughs> yeah. If I'm sticking to the rules of the thing, I probably couldn't do what I want to do, but I would love to play something like that. How about you, Kristen? Uh, prob- definitely a halfling. I don't, I don't see any other race I could possibly be that matches m- me. Uh, and then I don't know if there's like a Valkyrie class or something that's a mix of a fighter and a, a tank. Well, it's a barbarian. Yeah, that's pretty true, close. But barbarians. Then we're getting into fantasy. Kristen, who wants to be seven foot Schwarzenegger <laughs> and like wield ten axes or something. Well, there's what the. I mean, I'm sure he's like ten years older now than when I last checked in on him. But little Hercules, he was what eight and ripped. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You mean from the cartoon? <laughs> no, uh, no, there was like a kid. Like he was called yeah, little was. Hercules. Oh, I don't remember this. He's that... a real life kid. Oh, I missed that. He's ripped. More ripped than I'll ever be in my life. Little Hercules. All right. That sounds like a thing that might be true. (laughs) (laughs) You called me a liar. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I'd never heard of that. That's crazy. Uh, Next email says, hey, there will be Dungeons crew. To start, I want to give a shout out to Bo. I hope he's doing well. We all miss him. My my next is my question. Where did everyone get the inspiration for their new characters in this new adventure? Oh, man inspiration uh, i just wanted to be different that was my main thing i just wanted to be different I, and it, and to me a half orc with a russian accent and a a tenuous tie to his pious side was a fun new idea and i'd never played a cleric before so for me it was just about let's do something different i almost always go magic classes if not that then somebody with a bow and this is true in video games also i just i just lean that way so this was this was me getting out of my comfort zone and trying something new. I think I so the rogue was kind of determined pretty early because we were saying, "Hey, go with your passion." And John's never played the rogue, and it feels like that's where he should be. And I'm not going to ever play a human. Well, I might, but not likely. And so I was just looking through the 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 races, and I think just because I was playing a lot of Immortals Phoenix Rising, I had a lot of Greek mythology in my mind, and mm. I was like, well, we'll be a satyr. That seems cool, and it seems like a lot of interesting things you could do with that, you know, something that, you know, comes across as a bit more monstrous than than human, but then, you know, kind of dress them up and put them in society and all of that, and I, I thought that might be a neat idea. Why not uh, human? Have you ever said why you don't want to be a human? I just think it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. There you go. Uh, mine kind of stems from some behind the curtains knowledge uh, with Kyle uh, discussing ideas and stuff. And he had mentioned anime leveling. Yeah. Uh, 
anime. <laughs> I guess we'll say that word <laughs> twice. So I decided to pull in an anime character inspired from those magic girl anime, Sailor Moon, card captor, Escaflone, and then pair it with a little Pride and Prejudice. Oh, wow. So if nice. you really like that kind of stuff, you just hold on to find out this backstory. Yeah, no kidding. This is going to uh, go yeah, places. I guess, I guess that's a good point for like backstory type stuff for Ko. I, I cheated. I just went with what was going on in my real life. I had... At the time we were making it, all my thoughts were family and what could go wrong. You know, my my wife was pregnant at the time and it was just I was very caught up in, you know, thinking about that and what you would do for them and and what that means. And so I just borrowed bits and pieces from reality and put it in there and was like, oh, we'll go with this. That's the way to do it, though. Yeah, I'm gonna be freaked out about it anyway, so might as well just yeah. make it a character trait. Exactly, yeah. use D D to deal with yeah. real life. It's not a bad idea. Actually, my wife said that. She said, "Is this therapy for you?" And I said, "Yes, and it's free." Yeah. Um, in, in fact, uh, a fun a fun little fact about Co. I don't know if we've said the name of his daughter on the show, no. but the name of his daughter. Um, is the name we were going to name our child if it was a girl. Oh, really? So, nice. uh, yeah, uh, the, the, if, if it had been a girl, uh, the name was going to be Penelope Jagger, and we were going to call her Penny. Oh, cute. So I that, that. I, that didn't happen. And so when, when my wife found out about that, she goes, using your would-be daughter's name in your D&D game? I said, yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? It's all I say. tied up in reality. Yeah. Why not? Go for it. A uh, second question of this goes to Kyle. What do you love most about being the DM? And what do you miss most about being a player? Thanks for the show, you guys. You keep me entertained all day at work. Oh, man. So the part I love most about DMing is all the happy accidents, how those can snowball into an event. Like a uh, previous episode where this offhanded comment about there being bug men around turned into almost a frenzy of all the townsfolk running around in circles trying to figure out if there are actual bug men living inside and if, our, if their favorite blacksmith who was drunk upstairs was actually secretly a bug man. And there is a, a rhythm you find eventually where like, okay, I think we can get through this much content on this episode. It's three hours long. And I know my players now, but it's just so much fun to ride those random little slides and shoots and ladders that that is practically why I keep DMing is just to see what happens and things I don't expect. I do have a secondary answer, though, which is once everything's set and the hard work is over and characters just start acting naturally. And I'd say we're at that point with like Carrie and Cassius. They're so much fun because they're so easy. They're just where they would be where they would hang out, how they would act. I don't have to pre-write it anymore. Right. That's pretty As for cool. being a player, uh, you know, it, you don't have to plan. <laughs> 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 you don't have to get the show ready and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you get to be the one causing the chaos and throwing in the, the wrenches. Hey, guys. Loving the new campaign. I've got my whole D&D group, all first-time players, listening to you guys. So how does the party feel about Ko keeping all the magic items you guys have found? I know Splendor Belt has been looking for a magic weapon, and wouldn't the sword Grinkeeper found have worked for him, or is that an item specifically for Ko? I mean, this is a funny carryover from the other campaign. John 
John seems to like, I don't know, it's weird. You like keeping track of all our shit. Like, you've yeah. got the extra inventory. You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll carry these. You did that in the previous campaign. You're doing it again. And I am, I love it when somebody does that because I don't want to be responsible for losing any of it or, you know, something weird happens. The whole back bag falls off down a cliff. And now I'm, everyone looks at me like, what happened to our stuff? Like, there's lots of reasons why, but I'm really personally glad John's that guy. <laughs> John's really good at it. Yeah, he's really good at it. It's like the people you trust in Monopoly to be your banker. It's it's kind of like that. And John's a pretty good banker, as it as it as it were. Yeah, or the stuff. Um, I, I I didn't want Co to necessarily have it. I tried to pawn the sash off immediately. I was like, I'm taking too much stuff. I already got this drift globe. That's good for me. I don't have dark vision, so you know, let's get let's let's keep that. That seemed like a really good thing for Co to have, but. Um, I was I was very ready to just be like, hey, somebody else take the sash. Nobody wanted it. I was like, all right, I'm gonna take the sash because <laughs> uh, I'm the kind of person who, you know, I, I feel like I made a mistake playing a bard in our first game because you're so good at everything. Like I would never recommend people start with bard because it's very hard to go from everything is a plus on your character sheet to where you look at it now and you're like, what do you mean I get a plus zero to this or a negative one? And you're like, this is what is this scam they're running on me? I used to be good at everything in this game. Sure. Um, and I got used to having a lot of those tools. And so now as a different character, I will say I still, there's a part of me that chases it, which is why my character is just carrying a bunch of random crap. Because I'm like, all right, well, I can't cast this spell, but I can carry this. And if I have this, I can do this. And so I'm kind of trying to become a stuff mage. I'm like, all right, I got ball bearings and I got chalk and I got string and I got bells and I hoard a bunch of stuff. And uh, that's always that's always where I wind up. So if nobody takes anything, I will carry it because I will find a use for it. Nice. Uh, next question. I feel like the players were supposed to take the painting. Why didn't you take the painting? Uh, for Grinkeeper, it was an undead dude who made a flaming skull. So Grinkeeper, she'll, you know, fib a little here and there, but it's just some undead dude in a mirror. She's got other things to care yeah. about, and she's not too bright in thinking ahead. Yeah, that same with me. Uh, not maybe not the bright. Well, I'm. I don't know if I'm bright or not, but but uh, Splendor Bell would have zero interest in that sort of stuff. He's not into that. His desires are. Well, he likes gold, but he likes it because he wants to make a potato farm. Like he's got specific reasons for liking gold and being interested in accumulating it. But things generally don't interest him. And and the accumulation of wealth without a purpose is just not interesting. Co fell off a building and he just wanted to go home. <laughs> Simple needs. Yep. Yep. You know, characters don't need to be motivated by much. It's true. Yep. Co has a real like once things get to a certain level, it's like, okay, I've I've reached my limitations as a human being. I my butt got turned into a pincushion. I fell off a building. I'm now here to just see it to the end and get me home to my family. Uh, I'm good. Good enough. Uh, hey there, Obi Dungeons crew. I am loving this new campaign. You have inspired me to build a similar one for my four kids. 
I was just wondering if Kyle would be able to make his DM notes available as a kind of module. I'm a new DM and the resource would go a long way towards soothing my beginner DM jitters. Thanks for all you're doing. Keep up the amazing work and pass on our love to Bo. So this is interesting because Kyle's been doing these really great uh, report card things for our supporters. And if you're listening to this, you're one of them. So you've been getting those in PDF form. But Kyle, have you ever thought about like going full blown, you know, module style campaign? I would love to do that. Uh, naturally, the there's time consumption there, which is obviously the biggest barrier. But right now you all have the the, the players have their dungeon guides, which was given to them by the guild. Those are currently with like table of contents and a little bit of information expanded by the imagination. So like I, I mentioned briefly that there was a a chapter on emergency horseback riding or what to do if you get buried alive. Yeah. Those aren't filled out. But it'd be really fun to fill that book out and thereby like by giving your players like here, here is a physical guide that a denizen of the world we're going to play in writ or wrote. They now have like a piece of that world that they can interact with directly. Yeah. And that'd be a really cool way to go about a module for this Delver's world we've created. Not necessarily the big tome, but more something that the players then inspire themselves off of. Right. And we've all, you know, we've had discussions before about doing more of what we do in book form. Sometimes, we, you know, some of that is like, hey, what if we took some uh, fan art and made a collection out of it? Uh, everything from that to, you know, creating a, a campaign based in the ways for Bo, or in this case, uh, what you're doing. So those things are always on the table. They're a ton of work, but they're super interesting just from, you know, from a creation standpoint, we'd all love to make stuff that we do. Yeah. A question for Kyle last campaign, you played barbarian and at level three, I think you went berserker. I'm currently playing a level two barbarian and totem warrior is the safest pick. But after two weeks of playing, I'm being drawn towards berserker. What's the ratio balance between fun and team viability? So I was actually Path of Storms, which is how I got all that fire stuff. The Berserker class is extremely cool in small doses. You basically get bonus attacks, but you exhaust yourself. And as we saw with Nash, exhaustion kind of sucks and eventually can kill you. Yeah. So if your DM is playing like really small, like Monster of the Week campaigns, you know, storylines where it's like you have one fight and that's the day. Berserker's great and fine. But if you end up on like the seven episode tracks like we had in the wastes, I would be dead by the time I used all of my rages <laughs> right. in those particular engagements. So base it more off the game you have rather than the sort of party makeup you're going for. Yeah, that seems like good advice. Hey, gang, do you all or anyone in your audience know of any Dungeons and Dragons podcasts that are set in the World of Warcraft universe? Any chance there would be a one-off or campaign from There Will Be Dungeons in the WoW universe? Thank you for your hard work and for showing up so consistently to this show. Kyle, you are doing an amazing job filling in as DM while Bo is away. Um, I don't know of any in particular but I'm I sure something exists, right? I, I feel bad because I can't remember the name of it, but yeah. we had on our wow show, um, somebody 
uh, Turarts, if you know the person from the WoW community. I don't yeah. know. You can look. You can look on Twitter for that. Um, I believe she is a part of a uh, WoW themed D and D campaign. Uh, I also know that prior to the launch of Battle for Azeroth, I believe it was uh, Matt Mercer and the Critical Role people did a. Uh, World of Warcraft themed D&D session around island expeditions. Um, I believe some of that content got released. Um, it is for that. I think it was Celebrity D&D with Terry Crews. Yep, so Cruz. if you go and look that up, um, that's a, a World of Warcraft themed one as well. And it's, it's actually very, very funny. Terry Crews seems great. Yeah. And to answer the other question, yeah, I'd, be totally down to do a world of warcraft themed one shot or something like that i think that would be cool yeah it would be there's probably something out there some free pdf somewhere that we could use i don't know i assume somebody's made someone else has done the hard work you know with it's like second edition was published in 2005 so it's a little older yeah the official warcraft the role-playing game yeah <laughs> oh i had a copy of that somewhere that's still bagged up somewhere i think but yeah it would be fun um you know i've always i keep wanting to do something in a sci-fi vein one day and i don't even really care what world it's set in but you know if we did a one-off in the starcraft universe or you know if we're trying to keep it blizzard or or otherwise would be a really fun thing to do at some point um because i've never done it and i'd love to it's always been fantasy stuff for me yeah uh, Kyle, I'm really enjoying your DMing. I find it to be right up my alley of what I like in a DM. Would you be able to explain how your house rule crits work exactly? I remember sort of hearing you explain them in the first or second episode, but I can't remember, and I don't want to have to re-listen to the whole episode to find out. <laughs> also, did I hear John and Scott talking about how you have a different initiative system than the normal uh, than normal in one of the bonus episodes. My goodness. If so, could you spl please explain that too? Cool. So the crit rule works for story-based campaigns because I want combat to move along, which is why our players usually fight like one thing scaled uh, for them. And it's a small party, so it's very easy to do. I can grab a monster. They fight a single monster, no minions and stuff like that. The crit is a natural 20, unless there was a fighter, which thankfully there isn't, because that could be a 19 to 20. It could get a little overpowered there. If you crit, you have to roll again another d20 and see if you can hit normally with your plus. If you succeed yet again in beating that AC at that point, then you get that instant kill. So lots of people message me and they're concerned. They're like, what about your bosses? What about, what about, you know, scary monsters? How, combat will always be trivial. And as you all have seen, like we sometimes don't crit at all in battle. Sometimes we have two crits like we did in the plaza of the well the other day where we killed a mimic and a rust monster really quickly. But the threat was already there. So I enjoyed it. Uh, the boss concern that you just change the story. You have phases if let's say you're fighting a wizard, an evil wizard, and someone crits on him, let's say Cope throws a dagger, crits on my wizard, who is a boss, a boss boss to the end. Maybe they destroy their spell book instead. Maybe they throw a dagger that closes the door behind them. They knock them into the button that causes the door to close and cut off the minions. There are story ways that you could still give your players the success of a critical success without saying, oh, you killed my boss in one round. That sucks for me. And then there are monsters that 
would be immune to crits because they don't have vital organs. Like, let's say, a gelatinous cube. Mm. Oh, right. <laughs> and some undead. Uh, you know, a, a ghost might not have a heart that you can pierce. But you can probably insult it. Yeah, you could. You could, you know. You could totally insult them, yeah. With a psychic damage. Like, so for different damage types, there might be different forms of crits. And that's all just the fun and the surprise for me as DM that I enjoy. Uh, your other question about the initiative system. Initiative is preset as though they roll the 10 if we're fighting something trivial. If it's something where initiative would matter, then we actually roll initiative. So you may have noticed in the Skull Keep episode, we didn't roll initiative when we beat up a random skeleton janitor. Because it wasn't particularly important there. But when the skull flew down, was about to cast fireball, it suddenly mattered who would get to act before that fireball got cast. So sometimes it's set initiative or initiative I rolled ahead of time. And sometimes, like everyone being spread out in the plaza, I want to go with initiative because it matters. Awesome. And another question, Kyle, did you consult Acquisition Inc. at all in your DM prep? And if so, how did you pick and choose what you like to include in your campaign versus what you would leave out mechanically, tonally, stylistically, et cetera? I did not. In fact, I thought that was like a joke uh, gift, like box set, like you would give to somebody who's played too much D&D, like the Rick and Morty kind of stuff. But it's actually uh, very similar to what we're doing in a sense that the adventurers work nine to five. This is their day job. And then the hilarity that would happen from day job workers not wanting to take risks or only doing this for the company or looking for promotion. It's actually a rather enjoyable little read. I just, I didn't even think it existed. Is that the because, Penny Arcade guys thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I've there, heard of that. I, I have an aversion to like joke D&D, which is really weird because once we get playing D&D, it's really fun to joke around. Yeah. But the jokes are going to happen because we're all a bunch of crazy, bizarre characters trying to interact with a very normal world. Not so much that the world itself is bizarre or funny. Right. It's kind of my, 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 my cutoff point. Yeah, I tend to. I tend to agree with that general philosophy, but there are a lot of I, one thing nice about acquisitions Inc and others like it is it does, it does approach players who are maybe new to this stuff or aren't used to, you know, the role playing aspect of it, or, you know, they're just looking for the mechanics of a, of a, of a fun game. I think it approaches that pretty well. Um, yeah. I think it also grew very organically out of what you're saying, Kyle, where it was, they were playing legitimate dungeons and dragons, but, they were finding humor in the, these are the characters we're making in that world. And then as it grew and got bigger, it, it kind of built around that, but it had that serious base. So I think a lot of that stuff has that kind of true backbone D and D, but with a lot of very kind of job oriented stuff built up around it. Yeah. You know, this is like if, adventuring was your day job that you didn't really like all that much. <laughs> Good way of putting it. And I think we have time for one more question. Yep. Would you ever consider a tournament style bracket for all of your characters? Everyone the same level, preset rules, set rests and items. We have discussed these rules a lot with one of my D and D friend groups. How would you pull off a tournament? What, what say you Kyle? I don't, I wouldn't even know how that would work. Oh, I would do it in words to avoid hurt feelings. I, I, I know, I know, we're all being um, 
you know, we're all chummy. We're all friends, but it really, really kind of... You get competitive. It, and it's not made for PvP. Like like Diablo 3, they had to make a different sort of mode for it for those who want it. Like, we're, we all get overpowered about certain things, but have these huge weaknesses as the D&D class. And those weaknesses are there for the DMs to pull from. It, it would be a real bummer for, like, Ko to be like, oh, and... I know that Grinkeeper is weak to psychic damage and has low deck, so I'm going to use this sort of attacks. And you just get to know each other too well. So, I, I if I were to do it, it would be a discussion, yeah, not rolls. Yeah, yeah. I also be, think, like you taking taking our original characters, you know, you could put everybody at a set level to try and balance them. But are you really having Nash fight if he can't turn into a dragon? Is it really right. Stanley if he can't use diplomacy? Mm. Right. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that makes the characters OP and stand out and unique sometimes is the stuff that, you know, wouldn't really work in a fair PvP fight. And I think if you stripped that away and just were like, hey, all right, what if we what if we made everybody fight each other? I'd be like, okay, but are they really, or is it just now, you know, a human, a tiefling, a, a grungy boil covered human? <laughs> Uh, a satyr, you know, like, is it just these races now fighting each other with swords and just going, ah, you know, we we're the characters. Right. Uh, that's a really good point. Also and, human, and, humans are boring. Don't forget. Yeah. Hey, yeah. according to D and D beyond the majority of players are human. So the majority of people are boring, apparently. Yeah. Boring. It's true. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Look, you got to dip your toes in somewhere. You got to start like, like, look, Mario exists for a reason. He's, you know, in Mario Kart, you know, yeah, you picked Mario, you picked safe. He's going to, everything's going to handle fine. But you know what? Yoshi's way better. So is Koopa Troopa. Bowser's pretty fun. Even Luigi. Bowser's pretty great. Yeah, even Luigi's better. You got to start with Mario because you're like, ah, it's a me. But eventually you're going to dip your toes (laughs) elsewhere and you're going to go, hey, there's better characters out here. That's hilarious. Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Don't forget. It's what's a me. Sure. I get that. So uh, if uh, one other thing I will say about having run a tournament bracket before and had my players all make the rules, there's no reason that they would force movement. And that's something you kind of combat when doing combat design as a DM is like, how am I going to make this interesting so that the two characters don't stand not breaking sight of each other, not making sure there's no uh attacks of opportunity and they just go this for you okay now you hit me now i hit you now you hit me right. so have some sort of like other overarching goal in there like uh like thor ragnarok not only is thor sort of missing a lot of his powers because he doesn't believe himself and stuff he also has this whole side venture he's going through in this side quest as to why he's going to even fight the hulk right right that makes sense to me uh well i hope that made sense to you listeners including that person that asked the question and everyone else who's like, oh yeah, that's a great question. All of these were, now I have answers. Well, that's what we're here for. So we hope you enjoyed yourselves. Uh, It'll be another month before we do this again, but we can't wait to do it again. So keep your questions coming. If you have any, head on over to therewillbedungeons.com. There's a Q&A form right there. Fill it out. You send your question and you're good. And if uh, that's not enough for you, you can uh, use the the, uh, email from the site as well, which is therewillbedungeons.gmail.com. Uh, either way, whatever you prefer, we'll take it. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for all for thank you for all thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>